Good morning and welcome to Palm Vista Community Church. We continue our series in the Apostle Peter's letter to suffering Christians in the first century. Peter's letter continues to speak to those of us who are suffering Christians in the 21st century. The title of the series is Living as Suffering Saints for God's Promised Glory. And this morning's message is from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And the title of the message is Living Stones. Living Stones. And the title points to really the theme of this morning's message from the text. This morning's message is about God's construction project. God's construction project. It's the biggest construction project ever. It spans the centuries. And really the question about that construction project that our text answers is, what is God building? What is God building? And secondly, how is he building it? How is he building it? And thirdly, why is he building it? Why is he building it? So our text this morning in 1 Peter 2, verses 1 to 8, is going to talk about God's construction project. What is he building? How is he building it? And why is he building it? Well, let's read the text together, shall we? 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. So what is God building here in this text? Do you see it? Well, it's clear. Verse 5 tells us he's building a spiritual house, a spiritual house, and How is he building it? How is he building that spiritual house? Well, verses 4 and 5 tell us that he's building that spiritual house with living stones. With living stones. You and I are those living stones. And why is he building that spiritual house? He's building the spiritual house so that we can offer spiritual sacrifices to God that are made acceptable by God. Friends, God is building a house, a spiritual house, and he's using us, living stones, to build that spiritual house so that we can offer to him spiritual sacrifices made acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And in order to understand this construction project, this sort of spiritual construction project, we need to go to a physical construction site, one of God's construction sites in ancient history. We need to go back to 966 BC to Jerusalem. And God 
is the one who owns this construction site. He's the architect of this construction site. And he has placed someone as the construction site foreman, King Solomon. He has given him very specific rules and blueprints for the building that he's called Solomon to build. And the building is none other than the house of the Lord. You see it on the screen here, the house of the Lord, the temple. And to understand our text today, to understand this spiritual construction site and this spiritual building that God is building, we need to go back to the physical construction site of Jerusalem, 966 BC, with King Solomon as the foreman. And we, and we need to read the construction site notes. And we need to listen to how Solomon built this physical house so we understand how God is building his spiritual house today. And reading from the construction site notes from 966 BC, found in 1 Kings chapter 5 and chapter 6. 1 Kings chapter 5 verse 15 tells us the following. At the king's command, and the king being Solomon, they quarried out great costly stones in order to lay the foundation of the house with dressed stones. And now skipping to 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. In the 480th year, after the people of Israel came out of the land of Egypt, that's how we know that we're talking about 966 B.C., in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziv, which is the second month, he began to build the house of the Lord. Skipping down to verse 7 of 1 Kings 6. When the house was built, it was with stone prepared at the quarry, so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was heard in the house while it was being prepared. What we see here from the construction notes is that Solomon had great stones quarried or cut out of a quarry and prepared so that they could then be transported to Jerusalem and fit together perfectly to build the house of the Lord, the physical house of the Lord. And in doing so, Solomon and that house is a type or a picture that points to the greater Solomon, Jesus Christ, and the greater house, the spiritual house, that Peter is talking about here today in our text. Jesus Christ would build his house, not out of inanimate stones, like Solomon did, cut in a quarry, smoothed out and made perfect. No, Jesus Christ the greater king would build his spiritual house out of living stones cut not from a quarry, but from the cross of Jesus Christ, who is the living stone. And we're part of this construction project. This is the greatest construction project ever. And it is the project that Peter is writing about here in our text of 1 Peter 2, 1 through 8. The main point of our text is as follows. God builds us up as his spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. God builds us up as his spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices. Point one, God builds us up as his spiritual house. So how does God build us? We read from 1 Kings how Solomon built the physical house, the house of the Lord, the temple. How does Jesus Christ today build 
his spiritual house up? And the answer is, it begins with the cornerstone, with Christ himself. The answer is that it begins with the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. We must begin with Christ when we speak of building the church, the spiritual house of God. And we see that in verse 4. Look at it with me. Verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Skipping down to verse 6. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. So it begins with Jesus Christ, the very cornerstone of God's house. What Peter is doing here is reminding his audience, that Jesus Christ fulfills all of the prophecies of the foundation of God's house. In verse 6, Peter quotes Isaiah 28.16. In verse 7, Peter quotes Psalm 118.22. And in verse 8, Peter quotes Isaiah 8.14. And each of these prophecies was about the Messiah, was about the king, was about Jesus. Jesus said, these prophecies are speaking about me. Jesus said, I am the cornerstone of God's true house. And it was for that reason that Jesus was crucified. Remember back to when Jesus was on the earth. The gospels tell us that Jesus pointed to the physical temple, the very temple that that was built in Jerusalem. And he said, you will no longer meet with God in that house you will now meet with God in me. I am the new temple. In fact, he said, if you destroy this temple, God will rebuild it in three days. And they said, oh, are you going to tell me that if you destroy the temple there that it took Solomon seven years to build, you can rebuild it in three days? And Jesus said, no, I'm not talking about that temple. I'm talking about my body. I am the fulfillment. The temple was meant to point to me And I am the fulfillment of the temple. And for that, they killed him. And that's what Peter says to his readers here in verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, Jesus, rejected by men. Jesus was rejected by the so-called earthly builders of God's people, the Jewish leaders. But he was accepted, chosen by God, laid down by God as the foundation, the cornerstone of God's spiritual house. And he reminds these readers of the first century that it's an honor, verse 7, to believe in him, the cornerstone, and have life. And this would have been very, very, very comforting to those who are listening to it. This would have been comforting for them to hear that they would never be put to shame, even though they were suffering for their Savior, because their Savior suffered. Their Savior was rejected. But their Savior is the cornerstone, the risen, living stone. And for those who believe, there will be life. This was great comfort to them. This was good news to suffering saints, to hear that Jesus is the cornerstone of God's house, the church, which is the picture that Peter is painting for us. Jesus being the foundation, not of a physical house, but of a spiritual house, a people indwelt by God. Because you see, the reason 
that God put together his church. The reason that God builds this building is so he can dwell with his people. And how does he do it? How does he do it? Well, verses 4 and 5a answer that question for us. First, he brings us to Christ, the living stone. Verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men. We know clearly from 1 Peter 1.3 that we didn't come to God initially. God came to us. We were dead and he caused us to be born again to a living hope through his mercy, by the power of the Holy Spirit. We understand that. So when Peter says in verse 4, as you come again to him a living stone, rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. God brings us to Christ. He, he cuts us out of the living stone, Jesus Christ, at the cross. He gives us life. We're born again, and we come, and now we are living stones, and then God fits us together. Just as those stones back in the day of Solomon were cut in a quarry and perfected and rounded and perfectly shaped and then fit together in Jerusalem, so King Jesus cuts us out of himself at the cross gives us life, and then fits us together as the church. What Peter is talking about here, when he calls us living stones, he's speaking, being joined to Christ, he's speaking of our conversion and our baptism. And as living stones, born again to a living hope, we then long for God's word. Look at verse 2. How are we set together? How, How does God build his spiritual house? By fitting us together. And he does that by putting in us a longing and commanding us to long for his word. Look at verse 2. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation. You see, God gives us new life as newborns. And then, as newborns, as newborns long for milk so that they can grow up, we long for the spiritual milk, the Word of God. What he's referring to with spiritual milk there is the very Word of God that caused them to be born again. He's referring back to chapter 1, verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding Word of God. Listen. We long for this word of God, this pure spiritual milk, so that we can grow up into salvation. We've been given salvation as a gift, but we are also growing up into that salvation. Here's an illustration. The Cuevas has just had their little baby girl, Skylar, and she is a newborn infant, and that is great. But it would be very reasonable to expect her to grow up into adulthood. And the way she does that is she longs for milk to grow. Just ask Jenny. Because it would be really weird if she didn't grow up. And in the same way that newborns must must mature into full adulthood by drinking milk, so must we mature from spiritual infancy to full adulthood as we long for and drink in the pure spiritual milk of God's Word. That's the goal of our longing for this pure spiritual milk, of our longing for the Word of God, is that we would grow up into salvation. God's Word is what knocks off the rough edges around us living stones so that God himself, the Lord Jesus, can fit us together as his spiritual house. Here's a question for you. 
Do you long for God's Word? How can you grow in a deeper longing for God's Word? Well, the answer is found in our text. You see, look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Peter says, so. When he says so, he's pointing back to something. These little words in this text are very important. So, based upon what I've just said and what he's just said, is that we have been born again to a living hope in chapter 1. We've been born again by the imperishable word of God in 123. In 125, this word of God, which remains forever, is what gives us life, this good news that was preached to us. Therefore, as those who have been born again, as living stones now, who have been converted and baptized, act in the way of our new nature. So he says in chapter 2, verse 1, So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. See, he's saying to to living stones who've, who've been converted and baptized, who have a new life in Christ, he's saying to them, let my word, or my word is going to knock off those rough edges around you that keep you from being properly fitted together into my spiritual house. Because every one of these things that we just read in chapter in verse 1 of chapter 2 are community-killing sins. They're the kinds of things that keep us apart from one another. And if God has cut us out of the cross of Christ, out of the living stone, to then fit us together as his spiritual house, he's telling us, put away these things that kill community, that destroy the building project, that keep the stones from being properly fit together. Malice. Malice is that force that destroys community. It's usually coupled with grumbling and bitterness and envy in Scripture. It tears down God's building. Deceit. Deceit is speaking or acting with ulterior motives, rooted in our twisted hearts. It's speaking out of my own agenda to get you to do what I want you to do. It's, it's not speaking the truth fully. It's manipulating people. It's not speaking honestly from the heart. Hypocrisy. We all know what hypocrisy is. It's the gap between what we know to do and what we actually do. It's the gap between who we are now as living stones converted and baptized into Christ and what we're doing that we, that's not part of our new nature. It's an inconsistency between doctrine and practice. Envy. Envy is this inward attitude behind deceit and hypocrisy. Envy always destroys community. It knocks down the building rather than builds it back up. Envy usually then works itself out in slander, the last thing we're to put away. Slander is saying things about others in their absence, things that defame them and tear them down. And in all of these sins usurp God. All of these things destroy God's building. So it makes sense for God to use Peter to tell us, hey, listen, you've been given new life by my word, chapter 1, verse 23. You've heard the word preached to you. And now I'm going I'm to build you together as my spiritual house. Therefore, as new creations, put away the things that are no longer part of your new nature, the things that destroy the very building, the very spiritual house that I'm trying to build. So do you want to grow in longing for God's word? Put away these things that are not part of your new nature in Christ. Secondly, we grow in our longing for God's word as we celebrate Christ as the source of the grace God gives us as living stones to say no to the community-destroying sins in verse 1. 
It is Christ who brings us together and gives us this new nature that wants to be here, that wants this word. The new nature that, that causes me to desire to be here on Sunday morning to hear the word of God. It gives me the desire to want to apply that word in community groups or in other small groups at Palm Vista where we're interacting with one another, where we're building those relationships that's the glue or the cement that holds the living stones together in God's spiritual house. This, this is how we grow in longing for God's word. And then I love what he says in verse 3. We, we grow as those who long for God's word, having tasted the goodness of the Lord in God's word, having tasted the goodness of God in Christ who was preached to us through God's word. And so we long for that which we've tasted because it's good. As a matter of fact, in verse 3, when Peter writes, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, he's most likely quoting Psalm 34. Verse 8 on the screen. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in Him. Listen, when I taste something and it's really good, I long for it. Like a good pargo frito, fried whole snapper at one of my favorite restaurants. I love it. They, they bring it out. It's tasty. It's juicy with some nice tostones. My mouth is watering right now. I've tasted and seen that it's good, so I long for it. We've tasted and seen that God is good through His Word, through salvation. We've been cut as living stones out of the living stone, the cross. And so we long for God's Word and allow that savor, that taste of God's goodness, His mercy, to cause you to long for His Word because it's through His Word that we mature. As little Schuyler matures into an adult, so we mature into the salvation we've been given through His Word. Why? So that then God can fit us together as His community, as His people, held together by glue of relationships built in small groups, youth, singles, community group, ministry teams gathering, sharing our lives together, sharing the Word together, growing up as His people, as His spiritual house, as part of His community. All right. So what is God building? His spiritual house. How is he building it? Cutting living stones, us, out of the living stone, Jesus, at the cross, maturing us through his word, smoothing us, beautifying us, fitting us together in Christ in smaller groups as we long for God's word. And why? Why is God building this building? Why is God forming us and fitting us together? Well, point two, God calls us to offer spiritual sacrifices. God calls us to offer spiritual sacrifices. Look at verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. God is the one doing the building up. The, the command in this text is in verse 2. Long for God's spiritual milk, the word of God. The rest of this text is what God does with us, through us, in us, to us, fitting us together. And that's verse 5. You yourselves, being like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Listen, we now understand why God is building his spiritual house, why he's building us together as his spiritual house. And in teaching us the why, what, what happens in God's spiritual house, Peter changes metaphors on us. He, shifted, he shifts gears on us. First, we're living stones. 
cut from Christ at the cross, perfected and growing up into salvation by longing for his word. But now we're a holy priesthood. Wait a second now. I'm a little confused. Am I a living stone or am I a holy priesthood? Well, you're both. Because as living stones being built into God's house, now in God's house, we shift to being a holy priesthood. A holy priesthood who offers sacrifices in God's spiritual house. Spiritual sacrifices in God's spiritual house. This this concept of priesthood I want to talk about briefly before we go to what we actually do as a holy priesthood in God's spiritual house. In the Old Testament, the idea of a priest is very common. Aaron was God's priest, and he was set us apart, and he and his sons were set apart to offer sacrifices to God. And so, in the New Testament, Aaron was pointing to a greater priesthood. In the New Testament, we are now all priests set aside by God to offer sacrifices to him through Jesus Christ that are acceptable to God in Christ. You see, the holy priesthood, the holy part of that speaks of us being set apart by God, consecrated by God, to be his servants in his house, offering his sacrifices. It doesn't primarily speak to our moral qualities, but it primarily speaks to what we do in God's house. So what are these spiritual sacrifices that we offer up to God as his holy priesthood? What are, what are the sacrifices, these spiritual sacrifices that we offer to God? Well, there are many. There are many. But they start with the very things that we've been doing today. Our worship, our praise, our thanksgiving, yes, and even our tithing, our giving of money. Where does it say that, Al? Well, look at Hebrews chapter 13. By the way, written to Hebrew Christians who would understand these Old Testament types fulfilled in the New Testament by Christ. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16 on the screen. Hebrews 13, 15 and 16. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. The sacrifices, these spiritual sacrifices that we offer, that we read about in verse 5 of 1 Peter 2 are praise and worship, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to God, but they're also the money we give, the help we give to one another. These are sacrifices that are pleasing to God in God's spiritual house by God's holy priesthood, us, as we offer these spiritual sacrifices. Our prayers, our prayers. Listen, our prayers are found in Revelation chapter 8, verse 3. Revelation 8, 3, and another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was giving much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. Friends, right now, in heaven, in the spiritual house, in the spiritual place, our prayers, there are hundreds and thousands of prayers, and ours are part of them, are arising to our God, a spiritual, acceptable sacrifice as, as a smoke, as incense to him, and that is what we offer. And listen, we offer the the sacrifice of sharing the gospel, the sacrifice of doing good works in our community. We offer all these things and they're made acceptable, not because we are anything, not because we are worthy, but because Christ is worthy. That's what he says here at the end of verse 5, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus. 
I love what it says in Romans 12.1, one of my favorite scriptures. Romans 12.1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, living stones, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Oh, friends, this is the reason that God has cut us out of the living stone, to form us together into his spiritual house to offer spiritual sacrifices made acceptable to God. Our very lives are offered in faith that Jesus makes our lives, our prayers, our giving, our singing, our worship, our service, our mercy ministry, our evangelism, our community groups, our youth groups, our singles, our smaller groups, our ministry teams, those that are caring for our children right now. These are made acceptable by God through Jesus Christ. It's the reason we've been called. Oh, friends, cut out of Christ the rock at the cross to be formed and to be fashioned together to serve him in an acceptable way. Oh, friends, this is the appeal. Look, as Solomon, king of Israel, in 966 BC at the Jerusalem construction site commanded that inanimate stones be cut from a quarry and prepared to build God's physical house. Oh, friends, he was pointing to the greater Solomon, King Jesus, the greater king, who commanded that living stones be cut from the cross, you and me, to be built together as God's spiritual house, prepared by the word of God, fashioned by the word of God, the rough edges cut off, smoothed out and formed perfectly by God's word so that we'd be fit together as God's spiritual house. The construction site goes from physical Jerusalem to all over the world. It goes from 966 BC through all over the history of man. It includes today and we're at that construction site and God is building us as his holy priesthood that in Christ we would offer spiritual sacrifices made acceptable by Jesus Christ. Oh, friends, what a construction project. It's the greatest construction project ever, and it will never fail. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. God is doing it. We're part of that construction site. Oh, friends, if you are here as an unbeliever, I appeal for you to come to Jesus to bow your knee to the cornerstone, to the solid rock Jesus. Because the scripture that we read today says very, very clearly, oh friend, if you do not come to him, the chief cornerstone, if you you do not believe in him, this, this beautiful rock who is our foundation will become for you a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense and crush you who disbelieve. Believe. And those of us who have believed, oh dear fellow living stone, Know the hand of God that has cut you out of the living stone Christ. Allow his word to rough, smooth out your your rough edges. Allow him to fit you together with other living stones here on Sundays in smaller groups so that we may offer spiritual sacrifices and serve him as he pleases. Oh, friends, that we might grow up into salvation together as a body. I love verse 3 of the song that we have sung. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the Lord and his salvation. I love what it says in verse 3 of this song that we've been singing. Now, Lord, I would be yours alone 
and live so all might see. The strength to follow your commands could never come from me. O Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose, and let my song forever be. My only boast is you. That's that song, all I have is Christ. And, And the appeal to you, believer, is allow God to work in you, dear friend to fit us together as he pleases, putting aside our our opinions, putting aside the malice and the envy and the slander and all the stuff that we do and allow God and his word to be sweet in our mouths and longing in our hearts and to fit us together as his church, his spiritual house, as living stones, as a holy priesthood in that house, offering spiritual sacrifices, acceptable to God, pleasing to God. Oh, friends, come to Him and let Him fit us as His people. Oh, I pray this, and I believe that God will do it here at Palm Vista, for Christ is building His church in the gates of hell, the gates of envy, the gates of strife and malice and slander and opposition. They cannot oppose They cannot oppose Christ's building project. He will succeed. We are his church. Let us pray. Lord, I thank you that you are building your church all over the world today. But you also have individual construction sites going on right now throughout the world, throughout this region, throughout Florida, throughout our region of South Florida, right here in Miami Lakes. And Palm Vista is one of them. And we're part of that construction project. Thank you, Lord. Lord, build this church. Lord, build us up. Lord, encourage us and give us strength. Lord, animate us as living stones. Lord, animate us in our giftings and our callings. Fit us together as you please, Lord. Lord, we put aside our agendas. We put aside our little ideas. We put aside even what we think our ministries are. And we say, Lord, you fit us the way you want to. Jesus, the living stone to bring you glory and honor and praise, to offer you sacrifices that are pleasing in Christ. Lord, thank you for that. Lord, we confess you are good and we've tasted of you. May we long for you more and more. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let us stand and sing as a confession to God. All I have is Christ. Christ.